0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous Podcast. I'm your host, Jim R. Today's episode 206, and we're going to be joined by Kevin and we're gonna be talking about homelessness and addiction. But real quick, let's get to Kevin first. How are you doing today, sir? Good, Jim, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I like doing these topic type meetings, It's uh, or interviews, I should say. It's pretty cool where we can just find a topic and discuss it. So today's gonna to be homelessness, and Kevin knows a little bit about that from firsthand experience. So I'm gonna kind of hand it over to you, Kevin, and just tell us of your experiences like being homeless, like you know, the first time you were homeless, what you felt like, what kind of thoughts were running through your head at the time, you know, where you stayed, where you slept, where you ate, you know, all that fun stuff, right?
0: So, it's right. so um, all you, yeah. The first time I was, uh, I was homeless, it was, uh, um, with my whole family, um, you know, and yeah, homeless can be created by a lot of different things. I mean, you know, um, lack of job, lack of employment, uh, mental health, uh, you know, housing shortages. uh, I mean, it can happen to anyone really. Um, If you're living paycheck to paycheck, and you know, you get laid off and, you know, or fired or lose your job or whatever and have just instantly have No income or an income that isn't close to what you were making on your job, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're that close to homelessness, you know. Um, Of course, uh, ours wasn't, didn't really have anything to do with that. Um, You know, it was a combination of uh, uh, me and my ex, you know, not managing money properly, Um, uh, me using and, and, you know, drinking and, and using and, and, uh, uh, some of her spending habits, um, you know, was it, it, just you,
1: a, it was just you using and drinking.
0: Yeah. That, my ex would, um, she would drink, you know, she wasn't, and I, I still don't think, uh, she was an addict, at, you know, at least to the proportion that I am, you know, uh, or was, um, You know, she would binge drink and, you know, she'd go to the bar on weekends and sometimes spend three or four hundred hours in in a night, you know what I mean? Um, But she could drink for a weekend and then not drink again for two or three weeks, you know, Uh, whereas me, you know, if if I drank, I got to drink the next day. If if I do a line of coke, you know, I can't just do one line where she could do one line, you know, and be good. You know, I'm I'm. Hustle and money to get an eight ball. You know, as soon as I do one line, you know, so
1: <clears throat>
0: you know there was differences. I mean, she she has spending habits. You know, where she had to buy clothes and 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 different stuff. You know, all the time. Um, you know, if she if she wanted to go out for, for for a Friday night, the Friday night would begin with going to uh, T.J. Max and Marshalls and buying a whole outfit and, and shoes and you know um, that sort of thing before she could even go to the bar, or you know she was a nurse and and we she had to have all the top of the line scrubs and every color croc that you can imagine and you know that that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Where whereas you know we she did, we didn't really she didn't really need that. She had plenty of scrubs to begin with, and you know it was all top of the line scrubs, dickies, whatever. You know, so easily could be spent three or four hundred dollars in one shot in the uh, in the uh, scrub shop. You know, which would so be, it
1: was misspending, basically. Exactly. What yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, was, uh, were you spending any of that money on drugs and stuff?
0: Oh yeah, I was. Yeah, for sure.
1: And both of us would go to the
0: bar on the weekend. You know, and, and yeah, like I said, we could tally up three, four hundred, five hundred hours on Saturday night. You know what I mean? And that was the electric bill or the mortgage or the rent payment you know you know what i mean um or half of it or whatever uh, there was uh, a lot of times you know that um, the electric bill would go unpaid or the water bill would go unpaid because we spent it in the bar we spent it on this we went out to eat when we weren't supposed to but you know it all adds up you know what i mean um and eventually you know you got no place to live you know yeah. We spent uh, we spent a lot of uh a lot of time in uh in seedy hotels, you know, and motels. Um before, you know, um, which you know, was rough on the kids. Um you know, the kids got an education of a lifetime living in, you know, living in crack hotels and you know, they were probably eight and 10 years old. And I mean, they knew way more than an eight or 10 year old should know, you know what I mean, about that that side of life. Um, and eventually that led to, um, you know, um, a shelter, you know, uh, a family shelter. <clears throat> um, we we never really ended up on the street. We came close a couple of times um, where we were, you know, one inch away we were able to get a voucher from uh, from Catholic Charities you know, to put us up in a, in a, in a hotel for a little while or, or whatever you know uh, but eventually you know it came down to again the last minute you know the last day where we were going to be on the streets and the shelter you know accepted us um, and then of course uh, I ended up getting kicked out they got to stay but I got caught drinking in the shelter um, you know, and then I did go on the streets myself. We had a we had a minivan, and I had a blow up mattress, and I lived in a minivan in Walmart parking lots for I don't know for a while for weeks. You know, I
1: had a job, you know, but to, to, <clears> like were like said, of, those were the beginnings. Those were the beginnings of your. Those were the beginnings of your homelessness, right? Um,
0: now it didn't. Uh, you know, uh, we ended up being able to, you know, get it together. My ex had, uh, had was pregnant and she was a nurse and, and ended up having a baby. Um, again, it was money mismanagement. We made enough money between the two of us where we could have put money away and the head rent paid and everything, but we didn't do it, you know, because she she was out of work for a while. Um, You know, we ended up back, we ended up back at another crack hotel after after we left the shelter but we managed to s- scrape it together and, and get a house um and then with you know my addictions and my behaviors at the time um you know i ended up getting arrested and we ended up getting separated and you know and that's uh, that's where the uh the real homelessness you know started for me after that um
1: so what did it feel like? Let's let's talk about homelessness. Um how, what did it feel like the first time you were ever homeless and you had nowhere to go? Like what was just what was running through your mind? Um, I know I'd be terrified.
0: Yeah, well what you know, basically what happened was that she left me for somebody else and you know I was left in the in our house and you know, I only had a part time job and, and you know, I just you know, I couldn't pay the rent. And I couldn't um, so, uh, and I was on probation and everything else for, you know, for, you know, from, from being arrested and, um, yeah, I ended up in a shelter called Chips in Clearwater. Um, and, you know, it, because I was in the middle of my addiction, you know, and, and, you know, I was, you know, I would smoke crack, I would drink, I would do pills, whatever, whatever came down to line. I, you know, it, it just... it it felt kind of normal, you know, you know what I mean? I wasn't in despair or I was lonely. Of course, I didn't have my kids anymore. And, you know, I was by myself. Um, But, you know, you end up making alliances when you're in there and and everybody's doing the same thing. You know, we're all, we're all drinking, we're all doing drugs. Um, Even though in the shelter, you're not allowed to drink. You know, and you're not allowed to do drugs at that shelter I was in. But you know, we figured out a system. Um, you know, where we could drink, start drinking at nine o'clock in the morning, and then you had you could drink till three o'clock in the afternoon. We got breathalyzed at eleven o'clock at night. You, when lights out, and um, as long as you adhered to that, you were fine at eleven o'clock when you got breathalyzed. But of course, me being the addict that I was. You know, I ended up getting kicked out because I couldn't, for the first month or two, we could, uh, you know, I I was okay with that, you know, but again, you know, I, I couldn't stay to that, you know, the the one time, you know, I didn't stop drinking until six o'clock at night and five hours later I got hospitalized and I was like 0. .02, you know, or, or 0. .002, I think it was. And it was a non-tolerance. You know, if you were point zero zero point, you know, point zero zero one, you'd still get kicked out. It didn't matter. Um, you know, and you couldn't use the the mouthwash or any of that crap because you know it's written in the thing that you sign when you go in there. Don't use alcohol mouthwash. Don't don't use this. Don't use that. You know what I mean? So there was there was no excuse. There was no tolerance. You know, <coughs> but, and there, there again I was. I was homeless on the streets. And, uh, um, you know, that's that was my first time that I was actually on the streets. Uh, I went to another hotel, but I couldn't afford to stay there. Um, you know, and there was a lot of uh, drinking and drug using. And like I said before, I mean, it, it, eventually, you know, you get to know everybody is in the same boat you're in. You know what I mean? It, you, you become like a, uh, you know, like a group or whatever. Um, and you, we help each other out a lot of times, you know, of course there's a lot of uh, scary stuff going on too. I mean, you know, people are getting hurt. People are getting beaten up, people are getting robbed. But uh, for the most part, if you stuck with your acquaintances, I don't want to say friends because they weren't friends, you know, if they could get over on you, they would, but for the most part, you know, everybody was a tight-knit group. Um, you know, and then it was the shelters. Um, like I said, there was uh, Stinson, Florida, where, um, I, you know, we slept in a place called Williams Park in downtown St. Petersburg for, you know, you know, for weeks at a time. Um, you know, and, and you know, the, um, we were talking about the articles earlier, like our article and, you know, articles that I've read on homelessness and addiction. Um, they came up with a number of 28 or, you know, between, let's say between 30 and 40% of um, of homeless are addicted. Um, you know, and I just, or struggle with some type of SUD. In my experience, you know, being homeless in, in Florida, being homeless in Philly, <clears throat> everybody I knew was using, you know, or at least ninety percent of them. So I have, you know, a little trouble trying to trying to understand how they come up with, you know, that number thirty to forty percent. I, you know, I, I just gotta kind of think it's way higher. Um, you think so? Yeah, I really do. And a lot of us, too, struggle with mental mental illness. Uh, mental illness was a big part of it for me. Um, you know, it's the... Um, in, in, in the Philadelphia area, I had no excuse because you could get Medicaid. You could get, you know, everything you needed. In Florida, you could. Florida, I mean, you had to be literally dying on your deathbed to get Medicaid. yeah. And, uh, you know, you had to jump through hoops to get county health insurance. And, you know, homeless people just don't, you know, especially, you know, like me, who was addicted, It just, you know, can't handle jumping through the hoops. You know what I mean? You have to go to county health and sit there for hours and hours and hours. And, you know, then they give you an appointment, and then you got to come back and sit for hours and hours and hours and get another appointment to get approved to get mental health. And then you got to go Wait weeks to get an appointment at the mental health place and then, you know, again you got to sit there for hours and hours at the mental health place and you know, a lot of us just at at that time in our life are so full of anxiety and have no patience, we just can't do it you know Uh, you know, the help is there but the, the hoops they make you jump through to get it is you know, this is years ago too so I don't know, you know, I can't speak on today, you know, what's going on in Florida, but that's what it was, you know, when I was in Florida the last time, um, you know, and, and of course you got to take a bus to get to where you, where you got to go. Uh, if you don't have bus money, you know, you can't get there, there and, and, you know, it's just a lot of different, you know, issues I had in Florida with the mental health um, and, you know, for me and, and for the majority of us, if we're, if our mental health isn't taken care of then addiction is going to run rampant. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, I ended up, um, staying in the, in, the Pinellas County, there's two major shelters that, uh, chips had closed. That was the one, my, my first shelter. Then there was, um, tent city, which I believe is called Pinellas hope. Um, which is, was a huge shelter. I don't know what it's like now, but uh, it had 250 tents. Um, you know, they had a um, a, a building with uh, the kitchen and an outdoor eating area that was covered. And, you know, they had resources. They had a, a computer library, a new library, and you had a caseworker and everything. And the way it was set up back then was... Um, so the
1: shelter had tents? Like, did it, yeah. was it, it was bring your own tent?
0: No, they had their own tents. They had nice tents. They were, <coughs> they were Coleman, like five-bed tents. You know that you got to yourself. Um, and it, you know I could stand up and it. I'm six, I'm six one, six two, and I could stand up in the center of it. And they were on flat. Most of them were on platforms, not all of them, but um, it wasn't that bad. I mean, you couldn't. I couldn't stay in there summertime. Um, you know, because it was brutal on the mosquitoes. It was next to a swamp. And you know, you go to sleep at night hearing the the bull alligators, you know, trying to find a female, you know, with their "Mm, mm," all night long. But, um, yeah, it uh, in the winter time, it wasn't that bad. Uh, fall, winter, you know, before the beginning of spring, you know, once spring started, I couldn't, I couldn't take it and I'd be out. Well, they had a system set up where. I don't know if they still do, but if you um, had a job and you produced your uh, pay stubs for, I forget what it was, 90 days or something like that, they would get you into uh, an apartment where they would um, pay your, uh, put the deposits down on everything, your apartment, your, your, um, your electric, your water, and furnish your whole apartment and give you all, you know, cooking utensils and, and and everything which was a really good deal if you know the only part that didn't go along with that was therapy and um and uh you know like uh recovery you know what i mean It's just like here have this and move and you know you're right back in the same boat again if, if you're you know an addict with mental health and you're not getting therapy and you're not doing anything about your uh, addiction. Um, yeah, so the, the apartment only lasted three or four months. Of course, the, the apartment that I got was a friend of mine who was a crackhead, who owned the apartments, <laughs> And, you know, it was just, it was just crazy. You know, I moved in there for, I was in there, I think I lasted about six months and, you know, there was prostitutes in and out of my apartment, and you know, his apartment. You know, it was just the, the, the deposit he got. He got the uh, first, last and security, which was, what, $3,200? Uh, and we smoked it in one night. And, you know, that was just crazy. Smoked it, and girls, you know, 3200 was gone. Um, but anyway, you know, it, it was just a vicious cycle. Um, you know, without, you know, like, there was therapy and and like i said there was therapy and you know i knew that there was uh you know addiction um um, um you know aa na you know was available cuz you know i was in and out you know but i just um you know it just seemed easier to to just get high you know what i mean and then when you're when you're homeless uh, for me you know th- this kind of um sums it up a little bit we i was in a shelter with one of my buddies and, and we were getting ready to go out you know we had a routine you know to go hustle to get alcohol or whatever we need to do every day and um you know we were getting ready to go and i said i had my backpack and i said wait i gotta go put my backpack back in back in my locker and he was like why why don't you just keep it and it, and, he, and i said because it makes it makes me look homeless you know people think i'll be homeless and he just looked at me he said you dumbass, you are homeless. <laughs> you mm. know it was just, it was it was normal. You know what I mean? The the routine and everything. Once you're in it, you know you you, you can't let yourself think about um, your kids uh, knowing you're homeless. You know your family knowing you're homeless. Um, you just I, I would just drink it away, you know, and and just you know try to forget about it when you're out there on the streets. And you know, like I said, there it's just I, I don't know, there's gotta be a better way of um of attending to the homeless addict, you know, the the uh the homeless uh mental ill person um to get them off the streets. Um you know, because the last time I was homeless was in 2018. Um, that's pretty recent. I, huh?
1: that's pretty recent.
0: Yeah. Five years ago. Yeah. Um, right. 18 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah. Five years ago. Um, you know, I was able luckily I was sober when, uh, the last time I, um, the last time I was homeless, um, you know, and again, here's another progression. Um, when you get to a certain point like me, if you're you're that bad of an addict or alcoholic, it gets to the point where you have no other place to stay. Um, And if you do have a place to stay, the requirements of you staying there is not to use, you know? And and if you're not doing the right thing, you know, as soon as, you know, there's no, I mean, I can't sneak it. You know I mean? I might be able to get away with it for a day or two, but I can't, I can't manage it. You know I mean? I, within a day or two, if I'm drinking, you're going to know I'm drinking because I can't keep from getting plastered, you know what I mean, or passing out. Um, So you're going to see it. Um, And the the last time I was homeless, I had uh, major surgery on my neck. Again, that was my fourth surgery. And where I was staying, um, and it really screwed up my mental health meds. Uh, I started getting reactions to the one uh, mood stabilizer that I had been on for years. And uh, the person I was staying with thought I was getting high, you know what I mean? And and I'd stayed with them before and, and, and you know, relapsed while I was there and I had to get out. So uh, of course, you know, the first thing they're going to think of is I'm getting high again, you know, uh, because I couldn't sleep at night. I was, uh, you know, I was uh, on edge. I was, you know, just a lot of symptoms of what looks like you're getting high, you know what I mean so I had to get out you know and, and luckily I stayed sober and, and um, I had a great support group, you know um, people that really cared about me that knew that I wasn't getting high um, and I went to the shelter and I was able to get back to you know I got a, got a job uh, as soon as I got into the shelter and got back to school and got my peer specialist certificate and you know, and worked my way out. Um, you know, but there was a lot of people in there that I could see that, you know, there was nobody helping them. You know, there was, you know, we had caseworkers at the shelter, but they're, they're overwhelmed. You know what I mean? They do the best they can. Um, but they can't do it all. You know what I mean? My caseworker, I don't know how many, uh, how many, uh, clients he had, but he had a lot, you know, and it was a lot to do. Um, you know they're trying to find you housing. They're trying to do this. They're trying to do that. They're trying to make sure you go to therapy if you need it. Blah blah blah. But they can't watch everybody. You know, and there was you know schizophrenics in there with me who would go off their meds. And, and you know there was there was just not one central thing that could help everybody. You know what I mean? Which I think could be accomplished if, if we work on it. Um, you know. Uh, with addiction and with mental health, to me, they're the the two biggest things um, out there. I, the percentages don't say that, but you know, I I beg to differ. You know what I mean as far as that goes.
1: Because so well, it sounds like there are programs out there as long as you want it to get you guys off the streets when you're homeless. Did, so it there are programs. Doesn't sound hopeless, right um, now, like.
0: In the Upper Derby, Pennsylvania, where I was homeless, there were programs to get you housing, but unfortunately, 90% of them, you had to have mental health issues. Um, you had to have a diagnosis to get the help. Now, there were other people that weren't mentally ill. They might have had addiction, you know, issues, but, you know, they were left out in the cold. Um, and again, there, there was hoops you had to jump through, too, you know what I mean? Uh, some of them you had to get an income. You had to have some kind of income and be mentally ill to be able to get housing, um, whether that be social security, disability, or a job, or, you know, and <clears throat> some people couldn't work. And, you know, it, it takes sometimes two years to get disability. So in that time, you know, they could have a case going and. You know, have had to get out of the shelter and have no place to go, and miss their court date for for disability, and they're back at square one again. You know what I mean? They're homeless. They don't have any income. They all they have is food stamps. You know, and that's it. You know, um, you're on your own. Um, that's you know where to me um, there has to be a different system that can be brought up. Um, you know, I think about it all the time and, you know, I, I run it through my head, what can be done and, you know, and, and certain things run through my head and say, no, that won't work. That won't work. I haven't, you know, been able to, you know, I think about it almost daily. You know what I mean? Cause I see, you know, the in what, you know, in my life now, that's what I keep up on, you know, reading about homelessness and, and the fentanyl epidemic and, and, you know, everything. Um, That's why I say in Pennsylvania, I could get Medicaid, I could get therapy, um, you know, I could have a peer specialist, um, but if you're really in the middle of your addiction, somebody really, you know, I, I don't know how you can get through to some people. Like we always said, you know, you can't get help unless you want it, you know what I mean? Um, and that's the people I want to get to, to, you know, it really is, um, because they will remain homeless and and there's homeless people out there you know it's a small percentage but they're out there that don't want to get housing or get off the streets they want to live on the streets because they they don't want to adhere to rules they you know they want to do their own thing and you know i've known you know people like that who didn't even get high or have any mental health issues they just didn't want the help they just were okay with living on the streets and you know it's funny because that's sort of you know that's the point i was trying to get across when you were, you know asked me how i felt i was okay with being homeless you know what i mean um in most cases i could get high i could get drunk and you know do what i wanted to do and nobody bothered me anymore um you know, was there guilt and shame about, you know, uh not seeing my kids, not, you know, them knowing I'm homeless, them knowing I'm a, an alcoholic and a drug addict, you know, and not getting help living on the streets? Uh, I'm sure they were embarrassed, you know, if it came up with their friends or whatever. Um, But at that point, I didn't care because it was all about self-medicating, you know. Uh, once Once that thought entered my mind, it was take another hit, take another drink, forget about it, you know.
1: Um, and so many of us addicts do that. So, so crazy.
0: Right. Um, Yeah, like, there is programs available, there is help available, Um, you know, but it's, it's, it's there for the people who want it, like I said before. Um, there are people that aren't ready to be helped yet. You know, they, they might cry and bitch that they're homeless, but, you know, like me, you know, I wouldn't cry a bitch too much, but I would feel bad about it. But, you know, I would take another drink, you know, I mean, it, that's, you know, as far as I'm concerned with, with addiction, how it goes, you know, we, we didn't choose to be addicts. You know, it's a disease, it's a, uh, disorder, it's whatever you want to call it, but it's real. Um, but at some point we know we can get help and we continue to use anyway that's where the choice comes in you know what I mean um, although we have you know circumstances that that are crazy and unbelievable at times um, you know and and we don't have a choice at, at certain times you know one once you're in the middle of that especially with heroin or alcohol <laughs> I mean they're all bad as far as addiction goes but for me the two biggest ones were alcohol and heroin um because i would physically be sick you know and i had to do something um you know i had to go out and get more alcohol i had to go out and steal or do boost or do what i had to do to get more more heroin and i you know i feel blessed now that fentanyl wasn't an issue back you know and you know, I haven't done any illegal opiates since 2013. I'm sure a little bit of fentanyl was here and there, but it wasn't. It wasn't like it is now. I mean, you can't even buy heroin anymore. Whatever you get is fentanyl, and it's and it's deadly. Oh yeah. Um,
1: but uh, it's a hundred times stronger than morphine and fifty times stronger than heroin, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Right. It yeah, it depends. You know the different levels of fentanyl too. Um, and then there's yeah. You don't. It's not. Uh, they haven't figured out a, quite a way to make it in the uh, in the production that um, that fentanyl is made is uh, Frankenstein dope. I forget what it's called, uh, but that's new and on the horizon. You know that is forty times stronger than fentanyl. Um, you know, and, and people are doing that, just dying left and right. You know, I mean, there are places that that are using that now. Um, I wish I could remember um, the name of it, the real name of it. Um, yeah, but there was no, it's never been, I mean, it, it was uh, developed in the 50s, but it was never made into any type of um, painkiller or anything. There's been no medical use for it whatsoever. And now they're, you know, realized it's been around for like two years now. And it's caught on in like, like I think Columbus, Ohio had a big issue with it. And there was other, some other cities that had an issue with it that, you know, it's just crazy. It's 40 times stronger than uh, than fentanyl. I think that's, that's
1: crazy. Yeah. Um,
0: well, um,
1: yeah. Talking about, uh, I just totally lost training thought on my question. But talking about homelessness, let me ask you this. Is there anything we should be talking about right now that'll help people get those off the streets? Any advice, tips, right. tricks? Anything was, like that? If,
0: if uh, we're talking addiction and the homelessness, yeah. education, you know, for for them. Um, you know, people like us that have been homeless and made it out need to start communicating with the homeless community and, and you know, let them know that you know, I was homeless off and on for three years, you know, and I'm not now, you know what I mean? Um, you know, you can overcome, uh, first thing in order is, uh, therapy and being sober, you know what I mean? And, and you can do that. I mean, even if it's just, I know some people don't agree with AA, and then they, but you know, what AA saved my life. And, um, you know, my, my, uh, Christianity beliefs saved my life. Um, but that, that can be different for anybody. It, it doesn't matter how you do it, just do it. You know, I mean, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but there are ways to do it. and You know, you need to get clean and sober. Uh, or, I hate using clean and sober. You need to be in recovery um, is what you need to do. Um, you know, heroin addicts, uh, there's um, mass available. Uh, you know, um, if you need to get off it, you can't, there's suboxone, there's methadone, there's, you know, therapy along with that, you know, to eventually hopefully you'll be able to get off suboxone and methadone. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, any tool that you can use to get your life manageable again, you know what I mean? It should be used if, if you need it. Some people don't need methadone or suboxone, you know, uh, for me, you know, even being homeless, um, and getting on suboxone or methadone, I've used it, you know what I mean? Uh, you're supposed to take one strip or one pill, you know, in, in the morning when you get up, I'd take three, you know what I mean? And I'd be out or I'd sell it or, you know, so it didn't work for me because I'm a different type of addict, than, say another addict, you know what I mean? Um, but it works for people. You know, I know people that were on methadone or, or Suboxone and they got their lives back together and you know, they're, they're doing great now. And, and you know, it, it was a good thing for them and it can help a lot of people. Um, but yeah, it, you know, if education is a big thing, I don't want to say education because that sounds too um, sterile, you know, but being a peer to somebody, you know, it's, meeting them where they are, you know, trying to empathize with them and explain to them, you know, yeah, I know I was there, Um, you know, and say, look, this is what I did. And this is what you can do. Um, You're going to die out here on the streets. You know, I've seen so many of my friends die on the streets, you know, and and it's worse now because of the fentanyl, but people were dying way before fentanyl, but just not in the, um, in the numbers that they are now. I mean, um you know it's just i you know um I think harm reduction um is a big thing it needs to um be addressed in, in major cities and wherever there can be there needs to be uh centers made um uh, you know for uh for safe drug use so now, and I used to be dead set against that thinking it was on them blah 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 you know but it, it's not you know after researching it and, and looking at the numbers and different countries that have used it and seeing how um things and have gotten talk, better
1: you're talking about a safe injection site
0: safe injection site uh therapy um uh, you know keeping them alive until you know they see the light you know or or keeping them alive until they get that spiritual experience you know that 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 uh that will help them, you know, I firmly believe, you know, if you're, um, if you're fit in your spirituality, you're going to do okay. You know what I mean? Um, but it takes work to get there. Um, it, it can be as hard as you make it, but you know, I've seen it work in, in hundreds of people, you know, get better and get this shit together and get, get off the streets and, you know, but it, we're a small fraction, the ones who made it and compared to the ones who don't. You know what I mean? What do they say? 3%? I don't know. That actually get, you know, sober and stay sober. You know, I'm, I'm over four years now. You know, God forbid what could happen down the road, but I don't have any plans on using it ever again. And, you know, if I keep doing the same stuff that I do every day, then it shouldn't be a problem. You know what I mean? I'm confident about that, but I'm not overconfident because I know at any time if if i don't you know keep doing what i what i should do you know i could end up back in the same place again because i did it over and over and over again um you know to i don't know what you know what more to say that you know we just need people need to get out there uh you know and i see people doing it you know um um what's his name uh Frank King, Frank in Kensington, uh, morals over money. You know, I, I see him out there. Um, you know, trying to trying to um, uh, promote awareness and and helping people. And there's other people like him, you know, that are out there doing it. That's in Kensington, in Philadelphia. Um, you know, this uh, his his uh, show or whatever the channel is called, Morals Over Money. Um, but, you know, there needs to be more people like him and others that are like him. There, there, there needs to be more of us out there. Um, and that's my plan. You know, I'm like, I'm moving back up to Philly again. And, uh, you know, I want to start hands on helping people, um, you know, my way, you know, th- there's a couple different ways that I want to implement, you know, of trying to help people um like I said I'm a peer specialist so I want to get back into that but you know I I want to get out there where the homeless are and you know try to make a difference you know I mean that's all we can do you know if if those of us who, who have been homeless and have been addicted and rose above I think if all of us you know pitch in and you know meet people where they are um we can make a difference you know what I mean? I, I don't think there's enough people doing it. Um, and, you know, people have lives. I understand that. You know, they have jobs and they have families, and it's, and it's hard for them to do it. But, um, you know, it can be done. Uh, you that's know, that's right. why Addicts Anonymous
1: started our scholarship fund right. to try and get someone homeless off the streets and give them a head start or yep. fresh out of rehab because some people coming out of rehab are homeless. The major,
0: I don't know about major, but there's a large percentage. And every time I came out of rehab, I was homeless. And I've been to rehab 16 times. Every time I came out, I was homeless. I didn't have any place to go because nobody wanted, you know. And it's, it's a big deal. Um, now, was I able to get into recovery houses and, and stuff? Yeah, I was. Um, sometimes I ended up in shelters because, you know, recovery houses didn't have any room or or I didn't have the money, you know, or did, you know, most recovery houses will work with you for the first couple of weeks, you know, to see that you're making an effort, um, to, you know, get a job and, and get some kind of income. Some won't, you know, uh, there's a lot of scams out there too, that take your food stamp card and, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, it gets you off the street, you know, um, yeah, but I don't know. I, I have friends that own recovery houses that are doing a great job, but it's an issue. You know, when you get out of rehab, for, for a lot of us, you know, we burned all our bridges. We, have, we had no place to go at the rehab except for a recovery house, a shelter, or the streets, you know? And, and it's scary when you're in rehab and you really want to do good and you want to put everything behind you and, and just push forward and, and make a better life. And, you know, when you're down to those last two or three days in rehab and you have no idea where you're going to go and you don't want to go back to the streets, you don't want to go back to a shelter. And sometimes that's what happens. You know, uh, I don't know percentages or amount of times that happens, but most rehabs will do their best to get you into a recovery house. And and I've been in rehabs that bent over backwards to make sure I didn't end up on, on the streets.
1: Um, that's good. I you? That's, that's an important thing, because think about how much hard, well you know how much harder it is to stay sober when you're on the street. Besides the fact that drugs and alcohol are everywhere, it's right. just you're going through all that added stress. Right. Yeah, when, A lot you, of when stress you, being homeless.
0: It, you know, it's it's a part of addiction, you know, and, and that's one of the rough spots in addiction. You want to get better, you want to do the right thing, and things come blind. eye. I, I mean, you know, it's a whole series of things that have to line up, you know and you are the person that has to make them line up sometimes, but it's hard sometimes you know when things are when homelessness is thrown at you, you know when your twenty eighth day is up and you got no place to go, <coughs> you know or you know for me you know i I've been to some pretty crappy places after my 28th day, you know, you think you're getting into a recovery house and you go there and there's literally rats and mice and cockroaches and, and you know, they take your food stamp card and, you know, you got no money, no nothing, and you're stuck in this hellhole, you know, that's another issue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the majority of recovery houses aren't like that, but there are ones out there that are like that, you know. Um most recovery houses care and they want to see you do good you know, and they want to help you, um, you know, which is, which is a good thing. And, and do we need more? Probably. Um, I like, again, I, I don't know the statistics anymore. You know, I used to, but I don't know them right now. I don't, you know, I'm kind of out of touch with what's going on uh, as far as, uh, you know, the rehab and recovery and, and, you know, things that are available nowadays um but i'll soon find out and you know i'll get on the ball and, and try and help uh you know try and help people you know get into recovery get into rehabs uh get better you know keep them alive until they can get better um you know that's that's my goal you know is is that and you know if there's a way to try and get through to people you know that you don't want to live the kind of life that I live before they become homeless you know what I mean um, get through to middle school kids because that seems to be the age you know when when things start you know get through to them that you're playing Russian roulette um, you know when you're whenever I share my story or I hear other people share their story there's that magic number 13. Um, 13 years old. Now, of course, not everybody is like that. But there, there's a large percentage of us that started into our addiction at 12, 13 years old. And I'm just amazed that when, you know, I hear people's story. And they, you know, they mentioned, "Well, oh, it all usually started when I was about 13. Um, this is what happened when I was 13, 13, you know, and it's just that number is thrown out there so much. You know, I talked about this in the meeting the other day, on the Zoom meeting, and another person had joined in after, you know, what I, what I was talking about, and she just naturally just said, you know, it all started with me when I was about 13. After I went through a spiel about 13, I was just like, see what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, if, if we can get through to the middle school kids, you know, that, you know, when you take that first hit of weed or... You know, you you drink that first beer or you take that first percocet, you know, just to experiment that fifty percent of you are gonna be okay, you know, and they're gonna take that percocet and you might not do anything for the rest of your life. Or, you know, you drink that one beer and you're okay, you know, and then the other fifty percent are like me, you know, when I was thirteen years old, my first beer or whatever in, in that time period you know from my first beer i couldn't drink just one you know what i mean if, if three of us bought a six-pack or you know i'm taking two and hiding one you know so i had one afterward you know um that's just the way it was for me you know I, I couldn't do just one mind you know when i first started you know into the heavier drugs when i was 13 14 years old you know i i was again, starting to hustle right away, you know, trying to figure out how I could get more money to get more drugs, you know, and that that's, you know, the progression. It starts like that and it ends in homelessness, you know, for me and a lot of people like me. Uh, institutions, you know, uh, incarcerations, psych boards, uh, rehabs, homelessness. and you know, I just think if we could get through to more people at that age and, and let them know you know, this is literally how it is. You're playing Russian let it's like taking a gun with a bolt in the chamber and just pulling the trigger. You know, it might be a, a, a long drawn out death, but it's still the same thing. You know, you're, you're, it's just an issue. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know how it can be done. You know what I mean? Uh, am I don't know everything. I'm, I'm not a I I, I
1: think the big thing is awareness. People need to start really. This needs to be a problem that needs to be more in the open, more in the public view, I should say.
0: Right. Yeah, I know. And a lot of people are, you know, bitch about social media, but, you know, after doing it like me with becoming a creator on TikTok and, and, you know, Facebook and Instagram, there's a huge, huge community of us that. Are bringing awareness um you know it's it's got to be up into the millions by now you know that that are out there that are a part of uh recovery in social media and you know i think it's making a huge huge difference you know what i mean that that we're able to get through to some people you know and, and we're there for people to help i've you know on TikTok, i've had people contact me and say hey, look man, i need help you know and they they didn't know how to do it you know and i peer specialist. You know, I was they could be in freaking Fairbanks, Alaska, and I could still use the phone and a computer, you know, to get them into a rehab in Alaska. You know what I mean? It's just a matter of, you know, Googling uh, rehabs in, in Fairbanks, Alaska, you know, and checking for beds and finding out what kind of insurance they have, and, you know, uh, what they have to do. You know, and a lot of people, that's a daunting task and they can't do it on their own. You know, and all they need is somebody to give them that kick in the butt, you know, to get them going and you know, it can change their lives, you know. Um, you're not gonna be able to help all the people all the time, but if all of us pitch in and and give a little bit of help, we can help more people, you know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. So again, towards the end here, did you, um? so based on your experiences and everything, I mean, you got a pretty uh, well-rounded background in this. Did you have any tips or tricks for anyone that might be homeless right now that's looking to get off the street?
0: well, the number one thing is it, they have to want it. You know, we talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the number two thing is yeah, they, they need to, to get help. I mean, that's that's the first step. Um, I know it's hard and it takes people like peer specialists and caseworkers to be you know, boots on the ground. You know what I mean? Helping like <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of people don't have Medicaid like in Philly but they can get it. You know what I mean? Um People guide them through. I had somebody guide me in my mental health. You know, when I came to Pennsylvania back from Florida years ago, um, somebody in, you know, the mental health place that I ended up at, I didn't have insurance, you know, they filled out all the paperwork for me. You know, they, they guided me, they held my hand basically and it worked. You know, I stay sober for a long time, you know, that's the kind of thing that we need now. Do we have to go out on the street? do it? Yeah, maybe we do. Um, you know, ask them if they have health benefits, if they do, you know, you know, ask them, do you really want to live like this? You know, I can get you into a rehab right now. I don't know the bed availability and all that crap now, you know what I mean? Up in that area. Um, but I'll, but I'm going to find out, you know, and hopefully I'll be the one filling those beds if there are any, you know, with people, um, You know, I know there's rehabs. I worked at a rehab that had 300 beds, you know, and we were never full, but that was before COVID and and everything. So, you know, that was 2018. So, you know, I don't know how it is now. You know what I mean? I know uh, the one shelter that was in Upper Darby just totally shut down when COVID came. So there was like 100 people that that were just tossed to the street and, you know, the other shelter... That was in the upper area cut down from like, I forget it was 65 people to 15, you know, and, and I don't know if they're even accepting people anymore, you know, a lot of funding was lost because of COVID, you know, it's just people didn't have the money to donate like they did before. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, getting out there, you know, like I said, boots on the ground Helping people. Um, letting them know that there is help out there. Um, you know, don't... And empathize and let them know, you know, I've been through this with you. You know, the same thing... Not I've been through this with you, but I've been through the same thing you have. You know, and I was able to call out. And believe me, I was, you know... I hate to say it, but I was the worst of the worst. You know what I mean? Eating out of dumpsters, you know, to survive. Um, and... You know, they don't have to do that. You know what I mean? Um, there are ways out. And, you know, we, like I said, the, I, I don't know what you can do to give them tips. You know what I mean? It's it's not like a tip thing. You know what I mean? When you're out there.
1: Understood. You basically, but you just need to find the resources. That's basically the exactly. easy way to say it is. They're right. out there. You need to find them.
0: And unfortunately, we a lot of times we have to meet them, like I said, where they are. Um, a lot of them are scared to get help. A lot of them, you know, don't, don't know how, don't, you know, just don't have the energy or the, you know, the enthusiasm, whatever you want to call it to help themselves. It's, it's, you know, the easier, softer way, you know what I mean? To, To just stay on the streets and keep getting high. You know, it sounds crazy that it's the easier, softer way, but it is. You know, if, if you go want to get better, unfortunately, it's going to take some work. Um, you know, and like I said before, it, you can make it hard if you want, but, you know, you can make it easy too. you know, you can do what's suggested uh, to you um, and follow the lead of other people that are ahead of you and do what they did. You know, that's that's what I did. You know, um, I see all those people that own homes now and, and you know, that um have families that are happy you know to the to the certain extent whatever you know what i mean that that have made it through you know what i mean that have cars and and have a life and you know and and live a decent life you know what i mean and that's what i wanted so i did what they told me you know what i mean and i don't exactly own a home or you know a nice car or anything right now but it doesn't matter you know my my um my spiritual and mental place that I'm at now is, you know, probably the best it's been ever, ever in my life. You know what I mean? Even as a kid, I had mental health issues, you know, that weren't addressed back then, you know, but now they are, you know, and I was able to get off my psych meds and the whole nine yards, you know what I mean? And uh, it took years to do that in therapy. and, And, you know, I just didn't quit doing my... Psych meds, you know. I I weaned off them, and and I was in therapy while I was doing it. My therapist helped me, and you know, it's just, you know, it worked because you know I did what I was told, and I listened, and you know, and and I followed, you know, I followed somebody else's lead, and it got it gets me now to where I am right now. And you know, if if I ever become homeless again, I know it won't be for long. You know what I mean? Because I'll be strong, and and I'll be able to get. To where I need to, you know, but, you know, I, again, I learned all this stuff from somebody else. I learned how to get people into rehab and, and you know, get mental health and, and, you know, do all those things from somebody else. You know, they taught me um, and I'm good at it. You know, when I want to get a chance to do it, um, you know, and I'll be good at it again, you know.
1: It's great. It's great, dude. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on the podcast today and doing this. I think it was a good episode. You yeah. got to learn a little bit about homelessness and what it's like to be out there on the streets. And like you said, it's not really tips and tricks, but at least we know that there are programs out there.
0: There um, are, but they like I said, we had to meet them where they are and tell them how to do it or explain how to do it. And you can't tell anybody anything, but you know what I mean. Understood. I, I had to explain how it's done and uh, you know hope for the best and pray for the best for me. you
1: know all right i think that's a good place to wrap it up so sit tight for me while i do our shameless sales pitch for everybody watching and listening if you like what you saw and heard go below and give us a like also subscribe to see when we upload new videos you can also check us out on all social media such as twitter reddit facebook instagram tiktok and tumblr you can also check out our website, which is www.addicts anonymous.com. There you'll find plenty of free resources and literature. Also, check out our Facebook page for information about the Addicts Anonymous Scholarship Fund that we're starting. We're looking to raise money to help someone homeless for their first month in a sober house free. We're going to pay for their food, we're going to pay for their stay, and we're going to try and give them a head start on getting a job and just basically getting their life together within that four weeks to a degree where they can handle it on their own. And we'll assist as much as we can after that as well. But once again, I hope you enjoyed today. Definitely check out that scholarship fund. It's for a good cause. And I hope you uh, have a great day. Take care. Bye everybody.